What's up, Rob? Uh, not much. How are you doing? It was very, very hot today. Very, very hot day. I feel like summer's, summer's on the horizon. I'm wearing shorts right now, living my best life. Which is funny because literally one week ago, there was this, as I was saying the other day, there was this massive ice storm here in Quebec, freezing cold, knocked over all these trees, blanketed the entire uh, the city and the province with uh, ice. And then like one week later, it's like summer. That feels a little weird in terms of like a weather event, but I guess this is the kind of stuff we just have to get used to now. I don't know. I'm not going to complain. It's nice. It's very hot here in D.C. as well. Uh, we did not have an ice storm, though. I don't envy uh, you northerners for your weather, but it, the summers here can get kind of brutal. So I'm dreading. I'm just going to try to enjoy the warmth before it gets way too humid, uh, which happens pretty quickly here in D.C. The swamp. It is the swamp. Yeah. But speaking of weather, did you happen to see the rain in Fort Lauderdale, Florida? They're saying it's a one in a thousand year rainfall yeah. event. You see this? No, yeah. There seems to be a lot of these one in a thousand years uh, types of weather events that are going on lately. It's weird. I thought the whole concept of a one in 1,000 things, it means that it's rare, but seems like this is kind of like a <laughs> increasingly frequent kind of situation, these kind of extreme weather events. I wonder if there's any possible cause for that. It must be just a total coincidence. I don't know. Yeah. And at the same time, we're looking at uh, more than 100 temperature records could be broken across the Midwest and the Northeast this week through through end of day Friday tomorrow. So again, probably just a coincidence that we're getting record heat this early in the year and a one in a thousand uh, year rainfall in Florida on top of all of these other record and, you know, quote, uh, anomaly type uh, weather incidents over the past several years. I think the best thing we can do is just ignore it. Keep green lighting, yep. uh, more drilling uh, projects. That's right. Keep slow rolling any type of Green New Deal. Slow down on any type of climate uh, overhaul or emissions overhaul. Just let the oil yeah. companies do what they need. They are going to bring us to net zero by 2100. Yeah, the, listen, the average kind of moderate suburban voter, they're not, they're turned off by this kind of thing. So you just got to ignore it. Um, no, like you were saying, like when it comes to this, this massive flooding that's happening in Florida right now, um, and it's barely even being talked about in the news. And I think I had kind of a moment of clarity when you realize like, oh, this is just what it's going to be. The more extreme these weather events get, I think the less the less attention is going to be paid to it. It's going to be like, oh yeah, by the way, Florida is basically entirely underwater now. But in other news, uh, you know, fucking White Claw has hired a non-binary spokesperson. Let's have, let's have 9,000 headlines <laughs> about that and have a big a big back and forth backlash between that and you have the, the woke people buying them and chugging them and then you have the anti-woke people getting mad at them and like drone striking them or whatever. It's definitely a healthy climate, I think. Yep. It's a healthy climate, uh, you know, outside and also in our discourse. <laughs> yeah, we're really focused on the, um, the important things in life. Like that's exactly. what's going to really change things. It's it's so clearly a distraction. It is such a fucking distraction. And I get frustrated when I see people on the left or progressives or even liberals continually fall for it and be like, we have to take up this fight. No, just let them scream. 
I mean, ultimately they're just doing PR for a corporation. Yeah. Don't, don't aid that. No, no real, you know, working class person gives a shit. It's just at the end of the day, they don't fucking care. These are people oftentimes in highly paid positions who work jobs that are subsidized by these fucking freak billionaire benefactors to turn these things and spin them into controversies. So then you post about them, you react, who fucking cares? Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter who Bud Light's spokesperson for a social media post is. I mean, that's the that's the amazing thing is that the people freaking out about this are literally being paid by, you know, billionaire oil and fracking uh, magnates, literally to distract from the the disastrous apocalyptic consequences that their own industries are uh, visiting upon people. Um, it's it's really yeah. depressing shit. I don't know. Yeah. We get into a little bit of the, the kind of the bullshit culture war stuff and the response, the anti-woke beer, but that's just a small part of our conversation that's upcoming with Lucid Fox. We spend a lot of time talking about uh, the restrictions on abortion pills, which we got into on our last episode with Chris Geidner. Uh, the, the, the need to confirm federal judges that is being hamstrung by Senator Dianne Feinstein's absence. The response to her absence and calls for her to resign are being met with accusations of misogyny and sexism. We talk about that conversation and why that type of hollow identity politics is very reductionist. We also talk about the military documents that leaked on a Discord server. We get into the San Francisco, quote, crime wave over the Cash App CEO who was stabbed and killed. And a few other things with our guest, Lucid Fox. It was a really, really great conversation. I had a ton of fun. Uh, I don't know about you, Rob. Not so are, much. Are you still no. nursing your wounds from the Raptors loss? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm too sad about sports to really enjoy it. No, but uh, I love Lucid. Always enjoy having him on. He had made his annual appearance on the podcast. Um, yeah, I would encourage yeah. people also to uh, go back. If you want to explore more the story about... Clarence Thomas and the Hitler-loving uh, right-wing billionaire. Uh, what's his name? Harlan Crow. Harlan Crow. Yeah, God, that just sounds so like an evil billionaire. Like it's like you couldn't script this more. Absolutely. We got more into uh, that whole story. We touched on it with Lucid, but we devoted the previous episode to it uh, with another return guest, Chris Geidner, writer of Law Dork really getting into the legal implications of like what's been going on in the Supreme Court in the United States lately and this kind of corruption case. That is a great episode as well. Uh, that's a bonus episode for our beloved paid interns. So if you do want to hear that and all the rest of our incredible bonus content, you can do so by subscribing to the podcast uh, and becoming a paid intern. And you can do that by <laughs> going to the Substack, yeah. <laughs> the Insurgents. .substack.com. <laughs> You'd yeah. think I'd be better yes. at this by now after uh, those three years of doing this, but not okay. so much. Yeah. It's quite a mouthful. But yes, we, we thank you um, to everyone who has subscribed. And uh, if you do want to subscribe again, theinsurgents.substack.com. Just five bucks a month. You get an extra episode every week and you help keep this show going. And as we talk about in our opening with Lucid, because of the support for this show, we're talking about 
uh, a new venture for next year around the DNC. So stick and stay. You'll uh, you'll appreciate what we have in store for that. Absolutely. And why don't we bring on Lucid Fox now? That we went pretty deep with this one, so I think we should get to that. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. And Lucid Fox is going to be joining the program <laughs> right after this. <laughs> You look primed. What was that face? Not, not really. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like you're leaning on me for the the small opening small talk moments. I don't know. I'm just I'm kind of a little sad about sports. I don't know. That's all I got going on. That. Do you need to talk through it? Listen, this could be a little therapy hour instead. We don't have to do like political stuff. Yeah, we can just yeah do that. <laughs> I'm actually relying exclusively on Chat GPT for that now. That's my. Nice, nice. That's important. It's my I number one point days. of contact for my therapeutic <laughs> needs. I saw um I saw an AI generated like Mario and Luigi like picture yesterday and I was like, why? We all are, we've our Illumination Studios just put millions of dollars into yeah. that. What are you doing? <laughs> what's what's going on? Well Where's where's Rob, the utility I'm, of AI? I'm sorry the Raptors lost. You know, I, I turned the game on in the third quarter. They were up by nearly 20. And yeah. I went back to something more yeah. important, um, which is Fortnite. <laughs> and yes. yes. The They've new, got this God, in the bag. The new stuff, man. <laughs> and they blew it. It was rough. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was uh, pretty much, it was a very depressing season. And it was pretty much a very fitting mm-hmm. end to that. I really was like not emotionally invested this season precisely because like I just couldn't handle the negative vibes. And I was like, I gotta, yeah. I gotta disengage. I can't be obsessed with this and be feeling bad about sports all the time. But I was like, I still felt like, yeah, a little bit probably get into the playoffs. I'll watch this play-in game. I feel confident that they'll get out of that and yeah. at least have a yeah. first-round exit. And then, yeah, blew this huge lead. Just like finding new and interesting and historic ways to lose. I think that's always interesting as a sports fan when you mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In this case with the free throws. And then that's becoming, like your little taste of being yeah. like a Democrat, I think. Yeah, you know, it's a little the, bit like America. That. Yeah. You're just conditioned to yeah. lose all the time and you're just you're just you know that that's what you're signing up for when you get involved with it. Yeah. And then losing, That's and then basically right. becoming a meme where it's like we not only did you lose humiliatingly, but be, you basically because of a child uh, screaming in the stands who then took over all the headlines. <laughs> that's what that's what the narrative was. It's they couldn't so handle funny. the screaming that's child, right. and it's right. like, yeah, come on, Lisa, did you did you see those come clips? On, man. I did. I saw. I saw. I was also oh, playing Fortnite last night. God. So I <laughs> Demar Derozan on the Bulls. Yeah. His uh-huh. daughter was in the stands, and every mm-hmm. time one of the Raptors players took a free throw, she would shriek, and it would like Amazing. echo through this, you know, colossal yeah. arena. Yeah. And it was like it would it was picked up on the broadcast that the broadcasters were trying to find out who it was, and they yeah. realized it was his daughter, and she did it throughout the game. That's amazing. And they started doing a split screen. Collectively, fifty percent. Listen, yes. that's a classic yes. heckler play in like professional pool. We love to you see that. Honestly, it. you gotta respect yeah. it. It's a it was a one possession awesome. game in which they missed eighteen free yeah. throws. Really, it's like you almost have My to be you really have to marvel at it. Something else, but I think at the same time, you know, yeah. you know, I think that's the thing though is that if you're like mad about sports and you're blaming a literal child, I think it's a good sign that things yeah. for the team have just kind of gone off the rails. I think there's probably more going on. Than the, <laughs> that's true. The that's screaming, true. but you know, yeah. 
I saw people like get her, get <laughs> security know, to get her. It's like, Rob. it's like you know. Yeah, that's right. I was there to catch Rob when in his when he was down, and I offered mm-hmm. him some advice that I yeah. think would you know any sports fan in Rob's situation right now could benefit from. It's become a Cleveland sports fan. The Cavs right. are gonna you know they're gonna square mm-hmm. off against mm-hmm. the Knicks in the first round. Go. Yeah. Join us. Become a Cavs if, fan for this playoff if, cycle. If you want to know winning and the joy of sports, you just latch on to the the Cleveland teams. <laughs> That's what the, that time that timeless That's right. saying. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And again, while you're there, taking the local culture too. They've got a skyline chili. That's something. Yeah, that Cincinnati. Um, that is Cincinnati. Yeah, sure. Whatever. They're all the same place. Oh, There's more boy. than one city in Ohio, huh? That's weird. We've uh, got at least yeah. three. The Buckeyes, you know, taking the Buckeyes. I'd like to try that chili. It seems kind of interesting. It's great. It's great. Yeah. It's it's something, you know. It's it's very simple, you know. No frills. No, whoa, 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 whoa. Depends on how you yeah. order it. You no, can get it like okay, three-way, right. five-way, seven-way. I'm telling Jordan. you, you you can really level. They're that all puppy they're up. all ingredients that you could get at a bilo, Jordan. It's not like you're you're not putting like shaved truffle on it. We can <laughs> we can make it nine way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Is that the one that they uh, put like fine, ludicrous amounts like, of cheese on it? Yeah, is that yes, part of it? Yes. I mean that yeah, improves right. anything. Like slopping Spaghetti, off the plate, chili, yeah. onions, cheese. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's rocks. Sign me up. Anything you could imagine. Sign me yeah. up. I'm gonna be a. Honorary Ohio boy in no time. <laughs> yeah. I'll show you the way. Uh, yes. Nice. No, you know it. what place rocks in Cleveland? It's called Melt Bar and Grilled. Ooh. And they make these enormous grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. And you can basically get like whatever you want in the grilled cheese. So imagine standard American fair restaurant. Yeah. Any entree can go in one of these grilled cheese Hell sandwiches. Yeah. You want so chicken good. parm, it's in there. You want yeah. meatballs, it's in there. Yeah. You that want like fantastic. jalapeno popper sandwich, you can have it. It yeah. fucking rocks. That's great. It's like that something out of my stone dreams. Yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I can be an honorary Ohio guy. I mean, I grew up in eastern Ontario, Canada, which is basically Ohio in any ways, like with a few minor sure differences. Is that? Sure. Right. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> the same thing. So. Uh. I'll fit right in. Right. Okay. There you go. Uh, See, yeah. I've, I've only been to Ohio a couple of times. Once to Cincinnati and once to, to camp there. And I think that's good. Cincinnati's just not that great. I, Cleveland yeah. has come a long way in the past 10 that's years. That's here. You know? It's yeah. really cool now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let, let, me, let me take a step back. It's not really cool, but it's much better than I was. No, I was going to let you keep going. To, you know, you know, how cool is it? as I said it. <laughs> Maybe that's taken a little far. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Lying to yourself good. about this. Yeah, there's three places you can go, go glow bowling. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's nice. It's it's it really it's been spruced up. They put a ton of money into it because of the uh, RNC in twenty sixteen. Really revitalized yeah, the downtown oh, area. Sure, sure. Now, are y'all going Chicago next year? What's up? Uh, honestly, could be that, fun. That could be a fun thing. We talked about doing that in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah, Rob? yeah. Before the uh, pandemic, we talked about doing that for this show. Yeah. We should think about doing that next year. I think. For this show. I think. I, I think I'm going to hit it up. I think I'm going to do a little IRL streaming out there. Oh, let's do it. Yeah. I could. Uh, I could be convinced. That could be cool. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, 
Yeah, it'll be a bit of a weird little time. We're going to be doing the Macarena. La- okay. f- uh, first first time since, uh, yeah, we do the Macarena <laughs> out there. It's the first time since uh, Clinton, right? Yeah, that's what, uh, that clip was, uh, was getting circulated yeah. again of the last time they were there. Just like the... It's so, so good. Dorkiest Amazing. shit you've ever seen. Chris yeah. is a... <laughs> Although they were having fun, you know? So you got to give it up for them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They were having a good time. Uh, Chris uh, is the former CNN commentator now... Uh, Substack writer, yes, posted on Amazing. Notes, their Twitter competitor, uh, yeah, the other day. Yeah. Hey, would anyone be interested in a piece about why Chicago is the wrong pick for Democrats to host <laughs> the DNC next year? And his replies were just like flooded. Like, no, not at all. Not interested. No, thank you. Doesn't nice. sound good. <laughs> nice. That's I love so it. good. Man, what a what a guy! Like, I love Chris Saliza for just so many reasons. You know. That Just kind of thinking overinflates the significance of the location. Like maybe yeah. there's some tangible benefit in that state, but really, who, like which which outcome, which electoral outcome mm-hmm. has really been decided by the location of the RNC or the DNC? Like, who right. Gives a shit? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I did who see yeah, that cares? there was like there was like internal things where Biden wanted it to be in Georgia or something, which would give him, which somehow help his reelection <laughs> chances. But like, would it though? I don't know. Like. <laughs> Would that make a difference? I don't know. I don't think really. Why would Uh, it? I don't know. I get that line of thinking because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's and it it brings a lot of business, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. a ton of money to the state because everyone traveling there, all the money they're going to spend there. Sure. It's like a thank you for voters. That's so ephemeral compared to like you're comparing how many months out from the actual election. It's just like, yeah, I don't think it's going to by something that, you know happens like two weeks out yeah it wouldn't like change the outcome of the election but like it is a nice thing to continue to grow in that momentum they've had in the state which they have Mm. had in georgia they've had a lot of growth in georgia over the past few years but like i don't knock him for that but that makes more sense him arguing for that makes more sense than crystal is saying it's a bad idea to have right right which isn't rooted in reality it's a democratic stronghold and has been for decades yeah Yeah, for sure. Whatever. Give it something back, you know? Well, we yeah. should we should do it. Let's lock so, it in. Um, yeah. Let's Yeah, hell yeah. All right. We, we let's just let yeah, let's just commit to doing it now. All yeah, right. We'll pop more we'll pop over to um uh, Rob, all the, all the Chicago eateries, you know? Oh, there's such good food there. There really is. Oh. It's been I haven't had Portillos in so long. Not a place that first comes to mind when I think of Chicago. Really, I've had, God, I've had Portillos I, I'm once. such a I'm such a sloppy lad. I love Portillos; it's great. <laughs> I love the Quads Pizza, though. Yeah, I, I actually so I used to work for Uno's, so I've been to their their original location out there, uh, and I don't mind it as far as like uh, Chicago pizza is concerned. Great Mexican food in Chicago as well. Yeah, yeah, true. I haven't been there for quite uh, some time. So, well, yeah, it's a it's a good food city. Well, we're going next year, Rob. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do let's it. Mark it on your calendar. Let's do it. Right it just takes Chicago. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> we're doing it. Uh, well, you know, big story in the Democratic world this week mm-hmm. is Senator Dianne Feinstein's health. Oh. <laughs> the senator from California uh, is not well. Apparently, she's been battling shingles for the past few months mm-hmm. uh, on top of, you know, years now years at this point of reports from people in her staff and people close to her in the Senate who have said she is not all there. 
That's that as evidenced by her make behavior. Sense to me. I, I think the Kavanaugh hearing or the Amy Coney Barrett hearing. Yeah, the, it was Amy Coney Lindsay Barrett Graham. when she went up and hugged her. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just talk about how great she was. Like, this person yeah. is not all there. So she hasn't been mm-hmm. present for like 50 some of the 60 or so votes that the Senate has taken this year. Mm-hmm. And because of her absence, they haven't been able to confirm any judges. Now, this is yeah. a very pressing issue because, you know, the Republicans have focused on courts and judges as their strategy for, for years. And Democrats are finally just catching up. We'll get to that in a second. But I want to talk first about the narrative that is now growing and building from people in the House and Senate who are friendly and loyal to her and also just general Democratic loyalists who are saying, whoa, you should not talk about her resignation. You should not call for her resignation because that is sexist. It's rooted in misogyny. You didn't do that for Fetterman. And I'm curious how both of you take, you know, the comparisons to Fetterman who took some time off from the Senate to deal with. Uh, clinical depression mm-hmm. um, to someone who purportedly has dementia, purportedly is not there, and also has not been present for months now. Uh, what, what were what has been your reads on the this line of defense that we should keep Feinstein in the Senate? I I mean she's she's eighty nine, man. Like I just that's I really keep going old. back to the fact yeah. that like. Yeah, that's she's she's a senior member of the the like it it blows my mind. I understand that it's a point of seniority to have her on the judicial committee, but or judiciary committee, but like it blows my mind that she's still an active like member of this thing that we like regularly need to confirm like federal judges. It's like wh- why wouldn't you just this this isn't a point of like um I guess uh, this isn't an honorary thing. This isn't a ceremonial position. This is a real working position, and to have somebody there that's Bridging on 90 is going to be uh, retiring at the end of their term. It's just none of it. None of it reads for me, you know? Well, I mean, I do think it's kind of sexist to to suggest that just because someone happens as a U.S. Mm. senator with these important responsibilities to be have to demand that they are able to do their basic job. I think that's pretty messed up. Um, yeah. and I don't know, obviously yeah. it's very different. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi came out on that video, Yeah, right? exactly. Going after the bros, yeah. um, uh, oh. for this correctly, yeah. of course. That's why we send her, the, we mm-hmm. send her all those flowers mm-hmm. that time. Um, but That's yeah, right. I mean, I, th- I think comparing it to like a, what's Fetterman in his fifties, who's taking a, a small time yeah. off to deal with these issues is maybe, yeah, a little bit different than someone that's 89 who by all there's been numerous reports on this is like basically being led around by your staff and basically told what to do and doesn't really know what's going on anymore. Um, Yeah. I think that's probably pretty, not a great situation. And it's, it's bizarre that, you know, that they haven't really like cracked the whip on that or done, done anything to try and like move that process along. Um, And it's also, I think it's a little Mm -hmm. silly, a lot of the discourse around it, like, you know, she deserves to be left alone or whatever. But as I recall, this was this exact conversation was going on when she was running for re-election a few years ago, and people were saying she should step aside. She's mm-hmm. super old, and people said the exact same thing: leave her alone. Yeah. She's allowed to do what she wants, and she's a girl boss, and you got to step. But it's like this is the exact reason that people were making that case because it's like yeah. you need someone in there that's going to be able to be capable of like fulfilling these basic functions that you need, which she's clearly not really able to do anymore. 
Um, you know, you shared Jordan the other day, that clip of like the, the climate protesters that were talking to her. And she's like, I know what I'm doing. I've been here for decades. I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, there she is like a few years later, like just completely unable to function. It also very much rings of like what we've heard just year uh, after year. You know, like uh, I was speaking earlier, like it just it reminds me of uh, just a remix of things that were said about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg during the time when she fell ill and this discussion that she needed to step back. And they said, no, no, you can't say things like that. That's improper. It's like, I just I guess how long is this going to be a shield versus, you know, people that are in like very very effective like government positions uh and are are called upon for like necessary duties unable to perform them because they've they've just gotten on to a point in age where their body you know it's i don't think it's ages to say like their body can't bounce back like it did like she's been dealing with shingles for three months now i mean i don't think it's you know? ages like, to say that the u.s government shouldn't be relying on 90 year olds <laughs> to be able to like <laughs> function you know it's like this is important stuff yeah, that's no, going absolutely on. um there's the, the u.s government is just plays a central role in the entire world in the economic system and is mm -hmm. in, 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 talking about california there's tens of millions of people that are being represented so yeah i don't think it should be like Correct, sexist yeah. or ageist to say like no 90 year old men or women should probably be you know stepping mm -hmm. aside to let people that are more physically and, you know, in some cases mentally able to actually fulfill these basic functions. It's funny that that's like controversial. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the problem with identity politics in general, because people mm -hmm. see that as just like the ultimate uh, line of defense or the ultimate uh, filter for how they see the world and how they see politics and power. When mm -hmm. really it should be secondary to someone's credentials and ability. Otherwise, sure. you're just tokenizing. Like it is. It, like if anything, like that's more reductive. That that viewpoint is more reductive than saying, "Hey, this person is supremely qualified. These are their all all their accomplishments, and in addition to that, they also are of X Y Z group or this identity." Mm -hmm. Which that diversity is a strength, right? Like we want. We want supremely qualified and capable people, not just in our government, but in our workplaces and our communities and anything. That diversity is a strength and conservatives attack, you know, this broader term of identity politics because that's what they're ultimately worried about because it's a white male patriarchal worldview. Mm -hmm. They hate any sort of diversity, but like it, it is a strength. But also, it's not the only thing that matters. Otherwise, you're just tokenizing people. And mm -hmm. this, this, <laughs> this, you know, knee-jerk reaction from people in Congress and you know, Dem supporters and pundits treating this as, as some clean-cut case of misogyny and sexism mm -hmm. is ludicrous. Again, I mean, there were reports of her not being, you know, fully like mentally present. For mm -hmm. years. It's not just the shingles thing. It has been happening for years, going back Absolutely. to her re-election campaign, which people thought she shouldn't have been in altogether. I would be very interested to see uh, what the what the conversation is a year out from now for uh, when 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 we start talking about like people that are going to be coming for a seat uh, since she's resigning. I would like to see the conversation around Barbara Lee, who is uh, currently 78. I believe she'll be 79 when she runs for the seat. 
uh, Barbara Lee versus a more centrist candidate. And I want to see if there's a similar uh, dialogue for Barbara Lee and these same people saying that she's too old at that point. Because that's like, for me, that's going to be like the most telling thing, right? It's like, well, wait a second. She can get in there for uh, for at least a term and do some good work. What do you mean? What's going on? Isn't uh, Ro Khanna maybe angling for getting in that spot as well? Yeah, Rokana, Katie no, Porter. He... There's a couple of people. Rokana, actually, I think one of the one of the only people uh, in California to call for a resignation as well. You don't think he is, Jordan? He did. Is he running for Senate? I thought uh, I saw he was. I thought, I've seen rumblings. I don't know. I don't know what that. Yeah, how he much might, he might be interested. Who knows? I know Katie Porter is definitely interested. Adam Schiff and, is too. Yeah, yeah, and Schiff is as well. Yeah. I think another point Schiff too that sucks. I want to make on this this sort oh, of identity man. politics point as well, where I think it's. It's really kind of uh, cynical the way this is wielded to talk about people like Diane Feinstein or Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who are not these like small bean marginalized people. They're extremely powerful people no. in the United States government. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're not just extremely these, like, wealthy people, exactly, and wealthy as well. And that's another thing I wanted to point out. I said this story about how mm-hmm. Feinstein's selling her Aspen vacation home for twenty five million dollars, mm-hmm. and it's just like. That's the yeah. kind of thing. I mean, we've talking. We've been talking about uh, Clarence Thomas and the kind of corruption that's uh, on the Supreme Court. But it's like, and I mentioned this as well in the last episode when we talked about this. But it's it's like there's a certain sense of like normalized corruption in Washington as well, where it's like if you're a public figure, I don't know what sure. your salary is, like two hundred thousand maybe, or you know one seventy or whatever it is. You know, it's high, but it's not it's mm-hmm. not high to the point that you're purchasing twenty five million dollar homes. Which just seems like yeah, well, those are just good stock trades. Well, exactly, um, and you, you see Pelosi and Feinstein, and there's a number of people like in the U.S. government that is <laughs> on this this uh, public servant salary that have just done very, just really gotten mm-hmm. really lucky in the in the in the trading to to get yeah. to this point. And it's like, I think that speaks to the the completely normalized level of corruption uh, that there is in Washington in the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so Ro Khanna is not running in 2024 and he's already endorsed Barbara Lee. Oh, has he? Okay. Okay. Which is, I think the right move. She's, she's, she'd be a great replacement. I would, like I said, I would absolutely be down for a, uh, at least a term from Barbara Lee. I think she's, uh, you know, seems good. Yeah. Yeah. She's, and she's fully functional from what we can Mm -hmm. tell. Oh, 100%. Yeah pretty good positions on things so yeah mm-hmm. that'd be great. yeah i mean barbara lee famously who was the only um, the only congressional vote against the authorization for use of force mm-hmm. the only person yeah shortly after yeah. 9-11 was one of the most bravest votes that that yeah anyone's taken and um i think that's the mm-hmm. point too is that it's like i think it's not ideal to have the most powerful government in you know the world being run by these like extremely elderly people and uh you know people in their 80s and 90s yeah, probably not but at the same time it does it like it depends on the person's mental like some people are 85 and are still super sharp and some people are in their 70s mm-hmm. and are not so much like it actually depends uh on the situation um yeah. you know there's like there's uh, plenty of that talk with bernie and stuff as well with bernie versus biden well you know you're saying sure. biden's too old or whatever but look at bernie he's old it's like, yeah, but Biden's like barely able to mm-hmm. talk a lot of the time, whereas Bernie's still very articulate and thinks on his feet. I guess they've been sure. giving Biden the good president drugs yeah. now, so maybe he's overcome some of that. They're injecting him with the good mm-hmm. stuff before mm-hmm. they send him out there now, which they weren't really doing in the in the primaries. But you know, there is a difference between yeah. 
you know, he'll be in peak condition next year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be doing one arm push ups <laughs> on the debate mm-hmm, stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Feinstein's absence has prevented the Democrats from confirming, you know, appointing, confirming any federal judges, which is something that they've wanted to do. You know, Trump was Trump and McConnell were really aggressive and just packing the courts mm-hmm. uh, uh, during Trump's tenure. And Democrats are hamstrung right now. Yeah. At the same time, you know, these people are arguing, oh, we shouldn't do anything. Just let her leave on her on her time. At the same time, we're seeing Republicans, again, because of the strategy, be successful and further chipping away at abortion rights nationwide. This time, as we talked about in our last episode, trying to restrict access to abortion medication, again, very, very safe abortion medication yeah. uh, by forum shopping, just going and shopping these cases around till they get a, an opinion they like. That is now in in conflict. We saw a tweet from Mark Joseph Stern earlier today who said there was a decision from Judge Thomas Rice who issued a new order compelling the FDA to preserve access to Mifepristone in 17 states in D.C. without any of the old obstacles, irrespective of the Fifth Circuit's decision. This has been a long kind of convoluted fight with different actions and decisions and orders and stays happening in different courts across the country. Our last episode with Chris Geidner, we went really deep into this fight. Mm-hmm. But again, I can't help but like think they're missing the forest for the trees here by focusing solely on Feinstein and her health and equity in Congress, like gender equity in Congress, when at the same time, we need to keep packing these courts with more liberal judges so we True. don't have to deal with this kind of shit. Uh, yeah. As long as we will, if we just leave these, you know, seats vacant or don't take on Republicans in a more aggressive legal strategy. Yeah, I think that's right. I um, and uh, again, it's like Texas specifically, right? Like these are these are places that are just kind of like set up from like tip to toe. Like it, obviously, uh, we're talking about like the the Fifth Circuit Court, right? But to even make it that way, like there's there's been a a circle of like uh, people like familiar with the judiciary that have like set this up to move it forward in that state. Like they're, you know, they're, they're picking and choosing places. They're, they're kind of like uh, testing like uh, the waters in different States with what they can work with. I think, um, where did I see? I believe today a six week ban went into effect Florida. and yeah, yeah, in Florida. And they're they're just finding these st- and and whether or not it sticks is immaterial, you know. It's it's looking currently like the Miff Prestone uh, uh, ban is not going to stick, but it's laying a blueprint for people to work with in the future and try to like continue that work in more subtle ways, trying to figure out what ways they can like push through this like like absolute like uh, trash uh, maneuvers, right? But. But the problem with the Democrats not like actively focusing on the judiciary uh, as their sole goal, like, you know, the the Federalist Society and the Republicans have over the past couple of decades is the the they're at a disadvantage. You know, the Democrats really have outside of like trying to wield the DOJ and, and lawsuits or, you know, uh, I guess another option having Biden just completely ignore 
the uh you know the ruling um they just they don't really have a lot a lot of uh you know uh road to work with here so i don't know it's um it's a it's a really messy situation for the dems and i honestly this isn't a a thing that they fix in election cycle this is something that takes you know like i said with the federal society decades of work to to get into so I honestly don't know like what they what they do here in the near future to to really like repair a lot of this. Well, it kind of speaks to the way that that liberals and conservatives like view these institutions where conservatives view like they want to mm-hmm. mold these institutions to fit their ideals and to carry out their political project where liberals have this more like deferential view where you can never challenge or you can never be, you know unfairly use these institutions to enact any kind of like policy that promotes your political program but it's like it's like you have two sides playing two totally different games using to- two totally different sets right. of rules um and that's why there's just been this like stead- steady march to the right in America over the last several decades um because you have a- democrats when they don't agree with conservatives which they do agree on a lot of things economic policy and a lot of other things um but when they don't agree completely unwilling to like use their power in any meaningful way to to claw back uh some of these big drastic changes that are being made yeah and that's what's so frustrating when we see the story the stories like the one from ProPublica today they continued their reporting on clarence thomas and revealed harlan crow this billionaire conservative who has been treating thomas to luxury vacations for 20 some years mm-hmm. also purchased property from thomas which thomas by law was required to disclose and he never did and you see that story and you're like wow that's bad he broke the law and then you think for a second and realize wow nothing's gonna happen to him because we don't have yeah. any enforcement mechanism because like we talked about with chris geidner in the last episode you have a congress who's completely unwilling to do anything about it we have these ideologues with these lifetime appointments on a court that is mostly unchecked because mm-hmm of partisan uh, gridlock in Congress who are able to roll back your rights, ignore precedent, do whatever the fucking want, interpret the law, however they fucking want just to enact a partisan viewpoint on everybody in this country. And then they just give the finger to everybody and break the law, do whatever the fuck they want. And nothing can happen to them. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's moments like this where, Hey, you have a small window to at least change some of the federal judiciary. And even in that small window opportunity, people are saying, no, don't do it because Feinstein should leave on her own terms. These people don't want fucking change. It's just, it's purely a fucking aesthetic for them. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, the thing. Like I, mean, that's, like I was saying, it's wrong. like, uh, you're relying on the very people that are benefiting from, uh, this obvious corruption to say like, hey, to play by the rules and be like, hey, you need to help us like rein this stuff in. Why would they? Like, they're literally benefiting. There's a GOP mega donor, right? Uh, obviously influencing uh, a conservative justice. There's this entire like pay to play process in place to put people in these important positions to advance this specific ideological project. And then when these things come up. And they say, well, we're, uh, well, this is against the rules. And they're appealing to this, the very people that are benefiting from this to help them. It's like, they're not, they're not going to help. This is, the, this is, they're benefiting from it. Um, that was the amazing thing. Like when yeah. the, all these stories started to break, you know, I was saying, like, this is obvious case of corruption, like open and shut case. 
in addition to Thomas's connections to his wife and his wife's neck deep and all these January 6th conservative conspiracy stuff, like just get shit can this guy, get rid of him, find a way. But it's like, well, we, there's nothing we can do. Our hands are tied. We need the votes. We need the Republican votes. There's nothing we can do. And it's just like, well, that seems like a really great system you got down there. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just figure, seems, figure something like out. seems like you've uh, not done a good job of organizing this. <laughs> no, um, I don't think so. Or you've done a great job, depending on who you ask. <laughs> right, true. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a mess, honestly. Uh, I Like I said, I don't know what it looks like in the near term to try to fix this. Because this is this is something that takes a lot of time. Uh, and it's not something that Democrats really benefit from right now been talking about like next year uh pretty pretty candidly uh over the past couple of weeks and uh all the maps i'm looking at don't uh look uh, great for the dems at all for i mean maybe they they hold on to uh the presidency and you know that that does something at least but if we're looking at the senate i'm gonna be honest with you man i don't i don't see the dems uh holding power until uh close to 2030 so it, it is an extremely rough map for them for uh, many cycles upcoming, you know? So how do they, if they, they are, they have precious little time to utilize either Feinstein or utilize her seat. And if they aren't able to do that, there is very little they're able to, to capably do within the Senate in the next like coming years. Uh, I would love to see Texas flip. I think it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it'd be great. Somewhat but, close, yeah. but yeah, Ted. I would also love to see Ted Cruz lose. Well, that's the one. That, like that would be such a long shot. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Otherwise, sure. it's who, who's in West Virginia. Uh, Mansion's up for yeah. Mansion's up for reelection. Mm-hmm. He you got Mansion up. You got Tester up. You got a. You got a lot of folks in very red places. Up. Yeah, like. I just and how are the Dems going to handle that? You know, are they going yeah. to support a progressive candidate to try to take her seat? Are they going to just that doesn't sound like something as usual? Do. Uh, you know, push forward exactly. <laughs> are they going to business as usual push forward uh, cinema? Like, what's what's going to happen here? That's going to be a, a that's normally, I guess, that wouldn't be consequential. But in a year where you have you know at least three seats up in very red uh, states. That is an extremely consequential seat, you know? So, I don't know. It's a, a lot of questions and a lot of worrying answers with how the Dems are playing ball right now, as if they're, you know, as if they're 20 ahead, you know, as if they're the uh, the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> you never that's want your government wrong. to look like the Toronto Raptors. That's a, that's a bad situation. <laughs> that's, that's <right>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and here's the thing. Even in Ohio, Sherrod Brown isn't a guarantee the way that state has been trending red sure. over the past few cycles, that's not even a guarantee, even though he is really beloved there. And Rob, you know mm-hmm. this is an honorary Ohio guy. He's yeah. beloved in that state. But I don't think that's even a safe seat anymore for him. It used to be. And also you see like how you oh. know young people really helped um, during the midterms to avoid this kind of catastrophic defeat that a lot of people were predicting. But like, what's Biden actually doing for young people? Mm-hmm. In on many levels right now, Biden is making this hard turn to the right now on criminal justice. He's throwing red meat to the sort of anti-trans stuff with the whole the the sports thing that they're talking about now. Like they're taking these yeah. these really right for no reason. No, for no reason li- literally no, no reason for him to do that. But it's literally been proven yeah. to be just not really popular or an electoral winner. But they're like, you know what? Let's do the let's do this anyway. Um, they're <laughs> moving to the right on a lot of these issues. We don't want him to feel bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And it's like, that's going to be alienating for people, for people that, that took the time and energy to vote for Democrats or to, you know, campaign for them when they see that that's how that kind of hard work and loyalty gets repaid, you know, there's a good chance that people are going to mm-hmm. check out, check right out of that. And it's like, that's not really, that's kind of an understandable yeah. reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lucid, are you buying the uh, anti-woke beer? Oh man, you know, like we went to a deep dive on that today. Actually, it's it's very. I know Twitter already did as well, I'm sure, but uh, it's it's just so funny from somebody that worked in that industry for you know uh, such a long time and in, in like multiple different breweries. I know exactly. Like you know, this is this is probably like an overflow, uh, you know, sale that this guy picked up. He probably like contracted. Uh, a vat that already had like uh, overproduced and now he's like well i think i'm gonna make a quick buck off of this and it's like man like always these grifters are always just sitting around waiting in the wings for uh for their chance you know this guy's gonna make one run of beer uh grab as much money as he can off it and disappear into the wind yeah 30 bucks for a (laughs) six pack of uh four percent i'm assuming just you know watered down pilsner <laughs> that just has a bunch of like buzzwords on the can probably tastes yeah. like absolute shit but yeah that's yeah he's owning the libs with his anti-woke beer the 100 that killed me was the tim pool one we're defending it and and also this excellent you know, politics of course he did. consumption concept she's like yes if people are, are making products that are anti-woke you need to support them that's why when jeremy boring of the daily wire introduces anti-woke chocolate i bought yes. thousands of bars it's like why would yes. you buy thousands of do chocolate it. bars do it you man fucking roof yeah he's do like it. the you're, sucker you're... he's the sucker yeah. that these people yeah, are targeting the... He's the guy like sitting around like how many bottles of snake oil can I get from you? Are you sure you you didn't make any more? <sighs> yeah. Oh, okay. I guess I'll I'll be back next week. Unlike the woke chocolate, which is produced by like child awesome. slaves by massive corporations. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's so bizarre. Like I just got to imagine. Like, do these people ever like have a moment of self awareness where they're like, "What am I doing here?" Like, I'm serious. There no. are so many important things no, abso- going on in the world right not. now. They- I've been talking for. Yeah. Two weeks straight about the Bud Light spokesperson. Now this is the most important political issue of our time. <laughs> it's like how, like how do they? Where's the? What is the cognitive dissonance level there? Where it's like how do you, how do you go about that? Yeah, and still like look in the mirror and be like, I'm a serious person, and I this makes sense what I'm doing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it personally, but well, I I think for a lot of them, it's you know, it's it's all about the clicks, the follows, uh, the sale, like whatever, whatever do they're doing, you know, whatever their uh, personal. I guess that's is kind of how nice. they advance yeah. it. I think most of the people, yeah, and and then like, of course, you're going to get the runoff of all the people that are straight up rubes on like uh, TikTok and elsewhere that are making these videos because they've seen their faves like Tim Pool saying like how woke uh, Bud Light is now. They're like, yeah, I can't even stand to drink anymore. That's why I'm going to drink Coors course who has been present at pride parades for the last 20 years yeah what did that one guy say oh it's no like, yeah, i found okay, out Coors is commie too it's like that's not what that means like i don't <laughs> i don't know how to explain this to you but that's right me. top top she owns uh now. very cool <laughs> god uh, it's really amazing hear. you know you yeah know? it's uh, yeah hey listen that's that that's the whole i mean that is we are, you know, we're we're just a willing, like, stupid consumer society, and this is the way that 
people define their lives is by their choices within this market. Yeah. And that's that's all they have. So they can't they can't have this affect that like in some way they would support like some sort of divergent thought by consuming the wrong things. They have to like stamp that out immediately, move on to the next thing. And that's why I like, again, this anti-woke beer guy is probably going to sell, you know, uh, at least something. He's going to he's going to make, you know, his his money just like any other like weirdo that shows up with uh, their, you know, woke anti-woke product. Because uh, it, it's popular right now to have that branding to show that off to your friends. We should make even more funny, woke beer. The funny because thing it's going to make Bud Light look like nothing. You will, yes. you will become gay and trans if you drink this beer. That's what we should do. <laughs> <laughs> Schmidt, it's Schmidt's gay. Schmidt's gay. Yeah, there yeah. Schmidt's gay. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, the, with every campaign, you mm-hmm. have to illustrate progress to keep people motivated, to keep people yes. bought in on the premise, right? And with something like this, where there isn't really a tangible action people can take and mm-hmm. demonstrate, right? How do you how do you show to your followers beyond like the sensational Kid Rock shooting Bud Light with a gun, like shooting yeah. cans of Bud Light? For the average consumer, how do they demonstrate? Well, I didn't buy Bud Light today of the people who are participating. That's tough for the ringleaders, the top who are pushing this narrative. So what they've done is they have taken to inventing outcomes to illustrate progress that are so unrealistic. Are you talking the numbers game from Matt Walsh? Yes. Yes. Him, Kevin Sorbo claiming they've caused Bud Light $7 billion in losses. People that literally don't understand the stock market, like their first day they're like okay wait a second all right so if they're down uh 1.9 percent then that means like not looking at trading volume not looking at market cap like having no ideation whatsoever about the actual market they're just like this must mean they've lost this much money and it's like you fools (laughs) like and i and i believe that because i think that matt walsh probably has like a cpa he has oh and he probably has like a wealth uh advisor so he has people that run these things for him and he probably has no idea how these markets work and he's, he's just looking at them and he's like guys four the billion, lines going down we did it yeah. you know we've really like yeah before quickly like, going back I, out, not yes. not looking at like market conditions or anything like that like year over year like none of the none of these things you know and they're just like yeah we did it we uh we stopped a light it's like man it's so easy your your job is so easy. The the conservative grift is the simplest thing. You just say you you don't have to like verify anything. You just say like the silliest things imaginable, and people nod their heads. And they're like, "Yep, that's it. Thank you, Mr. Walsh. You you validated." Yeah, it. and you don't even if you have an amazing media right wing media grift, you don't even need to be profitable because there's dipshit right wing billionaires yeah. that love collecting Hitler artifacts that are just gonna <laughs> give you a bunch of money. So sure. it's like it's, it's just like the easiest job. I love. I don't know. What did I see? I saw somebody talking about it, uh, like, you know, a couple of days ago. And they're like, I don't know, man. If I'm Clarence Thomas, has anybody ever paid for a vacation for you? Because after the first one, it's just like, wait a second. You want something from me? Like, it's weird. You keep taking me all these places. I guess this is just what friends do. what friends do. Exactly. Like, come on, man. Uh, the whole thing with like the the business deal half a million dollar vacations repeatedly yeah Yeah. and these like this real estate deal as well where it's like the guy bought his childhood home or something like that and yeah this is just it's just a couple bro just a couple buddies doing doing a little business together what's wrong with that i don't know and restored it yeah and his mom still lived there 
Yeah. Like, that is yeah. so like brazen. It's a good friend. Amazing. It's, like, it's like, not just amazing. a sale, and it's like, all right, here you go. <laughs> great. He's a great friend. Seriously. That, uh, that Harlan, yeah. Really, really, uh, the, I think my favorite thing about Harlan Crow is just like how, how woke he is about like history. Exactly. You know? I think it's really important that he knows like what's good and what's bad. Yeah. You and know? just like, like everyone, we so. need to surround ourselves with constant reminders of all the bad stuff. So we know that it's bad. <laughs> everyone does this. Yeah. 100%. I, I surround I, myself with stuff I, that I hate all, I the time. all the time. Yeah, exactly. Totally yeah. normal. And there's nothing yeah, wrong with it's... that. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, posters on the wall right now. I'm looking at them going just like, ah, oh, hate that. Ugh. <laughs> ugh. It's the, it's the tweet from like three years ago. It's like sitting on the bus, like reading Mein Kampf, shaking yeah, my head yeah. the whole time. So people know that I disagree. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. No, but the, that's the thing, like with Mein Kampf, like there's, there's, you can make the argument that like, you know, maybe, you, maybe it's important to read Mein Kampf just so you understand what fascism is and you understand what Hitler was about. Sure. There's a sure. whole argument to be made about that. I have personally not read Mein Kampf, but you know, I've heard people make that kind of argument, but it's like, there's yeah. a difference between that and owning a signed edition. Then it seems like that's maybe taking that. Yeah. <laughs> to a level of reverence. And then you got that paintings a little uncomfortable. and then, yeah. again, you've just got to. You got to remember. You got to look at all these things. You know, maybe that maybe it was an, uh, it was like an always sunny situation where they like had to keep the paintings so they kept other people from going mad like Hitler. That's did, right. You yeah. know, that's the that's the whole thing. God. <laughs> Weird oh, people. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh yeah extremely odd. This one other story this week that I thought has been fascinating to watch mm-hmm. develop was the. The killing of the Cash App founder. Uh, yeah, what, I found out more about name? that today. Bob Lee. Yeah. So, when this news broke, all these tech and Silicon Valley guys rushed to, you know, beat the same drum. It's yeah, crime is out of control in, in Silicon California. Valley. Yeah, California. Yep, there are lacks on you know. Lax on crime policies resulted in this. It's just the same thing when when they are mad at a prosecutor. It's the same thing when anything happens. It's the same old mm-hmm. song and dance. It, here we are a couple days later. An arrest has been made in the killing of Bob Lee. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it was Nima Momeni, allegedly Nima Momeni, who is 38 and a tech entrepreneur himself. Yeah, and it was just one of their own that did it. And where did those calls about crime being out of control in San Francisco? We saw, you know, Whole Foods is closing. It's because of crime. Walgreens mm-hmm. and Walmart and Targets, everything. Yeah. All CVS, they're all closing because of crime. Well, mm-hmm. sheepishly later they admitted they over, you know, they overrepresented how much of a factor crime was, and ultimately it wasn't that. But mm-hmm. we're still going to blame crime and liberal prosecutors in a more liberal approach to criminal justice and uh incarceration and punishment that's going to be yeah. the culprit every time something like this happens have you, you guys have watched the story develop uh i like i said i learned more about it today i just kind of heard it in passing and i was like that's odd uh and then and then i saw a little bit of the online conversation uh obviously and like going down the same roads blaming you know the criminality of california yeah uh, and then, then I saw the development today where they found out it was another tech guy. And I was like, oh, so I imagine 
oh, we're, we're already done with that cycle. Nobody's going to go back and recant anything they've said. No, of course not. That's, I mean, that would be crazy. Well, because I mean, that's the, I guess that's the game to play, right? It's just, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You've already said what you said in the moment. And in most people's minds, it still was crime. They're not going to, they, they're not looking at the story today. Like, oh, wait, hold up, you know? Or if they do, they'll be like, well, I'm sure he was just like another, you know, pronouns in bio LinkedIn guy or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, so it, there's always going to be an excuse for why this thing happened and why it wasn't like, you know, because of the criminality of uh, or why it was because of the criminality in California and nothing else. Well, it just made me think of like a hypothetical thought experiment, which is obviously not something I would ever advocate for. Mm-hmm. But like, let's say in theory, hypothetically, if five tech executives mm. were to be publicly hung, would that discourage this kind of behavior from uh, perpetuating further, you know, that's mm, the question. Mm, like, the, mm. has anyone? No one's tried this, and not not that I would ever advocate for that, but that's true. Um, no, I think that's barbaric, obviously. But yeah, you know, exactly. No, just referencing that absolutely deranged <laughs> take that that lady was like the, one of these like the, yeah, you know, this like random San Francisco lady being like, we need to start publicly stringing up like fentanyl God. dealers and lynching people. Like that's yeah. what the discourse is is going to. Um, and that all that all started because she was like, "I saw a naked person outside." Yeah, once. Exactly. Anyway, we should yeah. hang people, right? <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "Wait, what?" And that's the thing. It's like I know that the the narrative about this crime wave has been overblown, and the media has been a big part of that, and the, the politicians are a big part of that. But like, there is, I think, in any of these mm-hmm. big uh, hubs of capitalism, uh, <laughs> you'll see this crisis taking place. Where there is a massive uh, yeah. increase in homelessness and despair and addiction, like you're seeing that in San Francisco, you see it in every major city, basically. Um, but people only want to talk about yeah. punitive responses to that and don't want to examine the role that the economic system plays in creating these things. Like Lucid, you were talking about living in Austin and how right. yeah. the tech companies move in, the areas get gentrified, housing costs skyrocket, and lo and behold, oh, it leads to these massive unhoused communities. Uh, and it leads to these kinds of situations that people There's that. Uh, rail against, but they never want to talk about the causes for these situations. They only want to talk about how do we get enough cops and enough punishment to to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. There's actually a specific example that I'm thinking of right now from Austin. There was a an area where there was an entire like tent city, and they paved over it for a new tech campus because that's what Austin's becoming. And so... Now all these people have moved to like the the underpasses and everything that are within like a uh, half mile or so of that old tent city, and all of a sudden it's why there's so many people under our underpasses. It's like because you just did you just did the thing they they were in the place that yeah. you you know you you decided was okay for them to be, and now you said well that's not uh that's not great you know so then there was a motion I believe to. Uh, that that went through about a year and a half ago to uh to make sure within city limits people aren't able to be on the side of the road and under underpass anymore. It's like you did this, <laughs> you, you made it. Those people had a place, yeah, in a community. You know, it's I don't know. It's it's sick. Yeah, and just the way that like actually housing giving housing to these people is just never discussed as an option. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's purely yeah. entirely punitive. It's like we need more cops, more prisons. You know, if a tent encampment is is 
uh, is popping up, get the cops to come in and bulldoze it and throw people's possessions on the street. People are like taking charge themselves, mm-hmm. these like citizen vigilantes and dismantling people's like makeshift shacks that they're building and, and public mm-hmm. infrastructure. And I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's really God, sick. That guy. Oof. The, the complete lack of compassion for these communities that have been uh, growing and growing as, as the cost of housing all over the Western world has been going up is really sickening to me, especially a lot of people that class, classify themselves as being liberal, progressive, whatever. The way that they talk about unhoused mm-hmm. people is like real, real banality of evil stuff. It's been really, I think, grim and very illuminating uh, to yeah. see the way that people jump to these uh, kind of conclusions. Uh, one final thing I wanted to get into with Lucid before we wrap was yes. the leak of classified documents by yes. a, <laughs> a reserve airman uh, mm-hmm. who, as due to his role in some IT capacity, had access to classified documents, which he initially which is shared. Wild. Yeah, it is wild. We should get into like the size yeah. and scope of people's access throughout the government, which Snowden tried to highlight, but mm-hmm. they treated him as a pariah and a traitor and ignored most of what he was trying to say. Yeah. But this guy took these documents and shared them in a private Discord server with you know twenty or so online friends. Mm-hmm. The channel was called thug shaker central and it was ultimately yeah. a place a for one, yeah. these people <laughs> these people yeah. are 20 or so people who all met because they were fans of this like military youtuber and mm-hmm. in the server it was mostly just like guns and military and racist memes being shared and these conversations were around these three topics for the most part Mm-hmm. Those documents eventually made their way to a Minecraft map server, <laughs> and, and now there's this. There was this huge, I can't believe you know, it, yeah. widely publicized arrest after the New York Times uh, and other outlets in Bellingcat. Uh, some, some suspicions around Bellingcat, but I would say so. This yeah. Leaker. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Out of this leaker, and there was a you know widely publicized arrest made today, and. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about it, and it's just – it seems reflective of this new frontier in you know, the military personnel, military recruiting, the outcomes of targeting and recruiting people in places like Reddit, like Discord, like esports yeah. and gaming and streaming conventions. Like this these is are the, the people – He was early 20s, right? Like this is yeah. the new, this is the new uh, blood, you know? Yeah. And – I think the lines, like the lines of privacy and confidentiality and how we communicate, there's a lot of blurriness there, right? Because mm-hmm. he thought he was sharing, the, like, I ultimately don't care that these documents are out there. Like, I, no, no, I can't imagine not. anything was, there was no state secrets. It was, like, I think a lot of, you know, military equipment type mm-hmm. material from what mm-hmm. I read. I don't care. Like, I don't care about the documents themselves. I'm fascinated by this whole story because of how they were shared and how it got out there going from this private what he thought was private discord server to a minecraft server to a national story about you know military and national security like it's just been so fascinating to me have you guys been following this i i have and can i tell you it is it is like it's kind of concerning to me because i looked around the internet and i think one of the first places that i saw was from a very like liberal leaning like area 
because CNN was reporting on it. And all I saw were people commenting, you know, people with like, you know, blue waves and everything in their names. Like, uh, do you do you even have clearance to speak about the CNN? You know, and it's just like, (laughs) what is what is happening? How have we become like so enmeshed within the security state that you're literally like trying to sit up and 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 like go after journalists because they might like report on like a security leak? Like what's going on? Why are you defending uh, a military that they, that gave absolutely no shits about their uh, security parameters, as evidenced by the fact that some like early twenty year old was able to just jump in and start dumping uh, their secrets? Like, what are you doing? What are you touting for the for the military for this on? Yeah, and I just it's just it's very it's very interesting to see where people's line is on this story in particular because the way that I've seen it, especially amongst like more liberal communities is typified as like, well, 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 it looks like uh, the chuds have another hero. And it's like, I don't think that's what you should take away from this. <laughs> I, yeah. th- I think this is a, this is a sage uh, discussion that should be had about how, uh, how vulnerable a lot of uh, the, the state's like uh, military apparatus is currently. Yeah. And I just found it really bizarre and off-putting seeing these like journalists kind of like self-deputizing themselves to like find the leaker immediately. And <laughs> Get to the bottom of this, yeah. To be like good little boys and girls for the, the like snitches for the <laughs> right. for the security state. It's bizarre. Like, is that your job to do that? Like, that's leave that to the. the right. That's their job. It's their leak. Like, they fucked up. Why is it the New York Times mm-hmm. or Bellingcat's job? And yeah, I know some people may in, in, enjoy that. I know the podcast guy works for them. They've taken money from the NED. That to, if you're an independent media outlet and you take money from the NED, I think that makes you immediately suspect. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry to say. But yeah, I find it really yeah. strange. But that's that's how they they respond to that. We need to get to the bottom of who this leaker yeah. was, which they know full it's, well is going to lead so to huge like yeah. legal consequences forever. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it just doesn't ridiculous. matter. Like I, I don't, I don't. Like I said, I, I don't care for like uh, anything about like you know the the. I agree with you, Jordan. If the files are out there, they're out there. It's kind of is what it is, but. I think it's just very interesting to to sit up and, you know, phalanx around, uh, you know, a security state that made its own uh, mistakes. Yeah. yeah they get know? like a trillion dollars a year. Like, let them deal with this stuff. Like, they got enough resources to do this. <laughs> God. I did see some kind of conspiracy theorizing about it, that it was possibly some kind of intentional disinformation uh, being shared yeah what i saw i saw the russian disinformation line as but well I don't, yeah where I they don't, were like well actually yeah. how do we know that russia wasn't in that discord server i'm like jesus christ yeah or an intent like an intentional <laughs> disinformation leak from the security state in the first place but i don't i just don't know mm-hmm, enough to speculate mm-hmm. that much i do enjoy speculating on that kind of cons- wacky conspiratorial stuff but yeah sure i just don't i don't know enough to to really come down either way about it I just my main takeaway was that yeah. I thought it was weird how these like hall monitor uh, media types were coming together to <laughs> circle the wagons around the United States military establishment. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ, we have to help those poor uwu beans. Yeah. They lost their their, their, uh, their homework. If we don't get yeah. it back for them, they'll never finish. <laughs> uh, that's also, weird to me. So some of these documents were about you know what we had previously been trying to cover up right Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. is u.s involvement in ukraine yeah and that is something that they have tried to dismiss for a long time despite you know suspicions that the u.s was much more involved in ukraine than they were letting on 
Mm-hmm. Think, I mean, when it comes to identifying the leaker and naming, you know, naming this person, yeah. think about the role the New York Times and other outlets like them have played in selling these wars, yeah. right? Absolutely. This is just, it's I, just I part think of for the, the cycle that they've done. Yeah, 100%. It's, it ultimately is unsurprising that they would identify this person and out them, which then led mm-hmm. to the arrest. Uh, I just, I, I, okay, I mean, they're just, they're on their same bullshit. You have a fucking mm-hmm. eight byline story outing this guy because he revealed semi-privately initially that mm-hmm. we were much more involved in Ukraine than the U.S. government was telling us. Like, we should yeah. know that. It's ridiculous. Yes. Because by, here's the thing. It's not just about transparency. It's also about the consequences of our of a deeper level of involvement than what they're telling us. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. Russia, Russia would be able to identify as well. Yeah. Them lying to us allows them to creep closer and closer to a, an escalation or an all-out war with Russia, potentially devastating our nuclear consequences, and we're kept in the dark because the government lies. I don't give yeah. a shit that these documents are out there. It's good that we know. And the fact that the New York Times rushed to out this person rather than condemning the U.S. involvement in Ukraine shows the role the legacy media has in these types of conversations altogether. Yeah. I mean, all, as always, yeah, it absolutely speaks to their uh, their, their base or intentions, right? Like, yeah, there is absolutely no concern over what might have been the documents and any of it, you know, this person obviously at fault. Any of the actual uh, documents circumspect at best, you know, from, from what I've seen from... You know, people, people discussing it. Like I said, uh, dismissing it outright as Russian information, dismissing it as like, you know, fa- completely fabricated. You know, yeah. it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's it's, it's an interesting link as well. You talk about with. the role that the New York Times in particular, but American corporate media in general has played in manufacturing consent for all these wars and coups and um, mm-hmm. different kind of imperialist endeavors on the part of the state which is actually extra funny to see them all freak the fuck out when they get labeled or identified as being, uh, you know, in the case of NPR God, or PBS, amazing. being identified as being like uh, state funded or, or uh, government funded and say, no, no, they all, they all freak out at this implication that there could possibly be influenced uh, by this. But I think mm-hmm. that's the kind of interesting thing. Not to, I don't want to hand it to Elon Musk on this because I don't think he's doing this for any of the right reasons because uh, no, he's a no. massive dipshit. But well, no, of course, it is very uh, funny like to said, see the freak out. He's he's also like similarly government yeah, funded. Exactly. You know, they're all. He should you know, give himself the no, same disclaimer. He has no like noble intentions. No. Of course, no. It's just yeah, but it is it is like I said, uh, I said this morning. It's extremely funny, like you yes. know that they would. I and I think it it, it does like. It lends to, you know, delegitimizing his platform even more. So that's fun. Yeah. You know, I hope that he, he destroys the entire endeavor. And we can all be free. <laughs> yeah. We can all be free. I just want the posters to be free. You know, I'm good. I, I post like twice a, a month. Yeah. But I want the people to post every day. I want them to be free. <laughs> exactly. uh, well, Lucid, you don't post as often because you're... Uh, often streaming on Twitch. Where can people tune in to watch your stream? And if if for your sporadic posts, where can they find you? Uh, so twitch.tv slash lucidfox, the two X's, uh, Monday through Friday, starting at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is where I'm normally at. And then besides that, uh, you know, you can find me on Twitter with the same name. I uh, 
mostly just post pictures of my dog at this point or retweet uh, things about the, uh, you know, the sexy Ganondorf from the new Zelda trailer. But <laughs> past that, I, you know, I really don't have anything to offer in the way of social media these days. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Lucy. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure as always. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. <laughs>